podcasting from inside the stash. I'm Jenny. I'm Nicole. And this is Stash and Burn. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we are back. I think I posted recently on uh, Instagram that I was like, I'm back, baby. And I started to knit again. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, I think for May, the whole Me Made May sewing thing just mm-hmm. took over my life. Yeah. Um, and so I was doing a lot more sewing than I was knitting at that time. But So this might be a good time to say that we will probably be talking some sewing at the end. And probably on a regular basis. I think that we we have both been converted to splitting our craft time. So it will be um, probably a regular feature for us yeah. to talk about sewing. But we will definitely put knitting front and center. Also, I'm just going to put out there that we are out in the field right now recording. <laughs> um, so we are in a place where there are other people. And you may, you'll hear a phone ring. You'll hear some people in the background, um, at least for, for part of this podcast. Yes. So um, uh, should we just start with what we are actually knitting at the moment? Sure. I uh, just cast on this um, shawl by Vera Valmaki from the Interpretations 3 collection called Flyaway Twist. Mm -hmm. It is like a two-color shawl that has um, garter in one color and then two-color brioche in another section and then finishes with the the second color for the bottom border. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm kind of excited about it. I'm using these lemonade shop yarns. Yes, and so um, they're all lemonade shop yarns. Yeah. All three yeah. of them. So the first section I'm using her kind of aqua with flecks of orange called goldfish. Mm-hmm. And then for the two-color brioche, I'm going to mix the goldfish with the toxic Oreo color, <laughs> <laughs> which is this awesome black and white speckled with crazy colors in there. And then finish the bottom border with the Toxic Oreo. Oh, so it's just two colors. Yeah, just okay. two colors. Okay. So I would say that that green is more like a mint, like a minty green blue. It's very, I don't know what it is. It's very <laughs> watery looking. Or, yeah, it is kind of minty. It's greenish blue. It reminds me of Florida. Florida. <laughs> and I think it reminds me of Florida because Kurt from our knitting, our knit night was like, that's my favorite color. And he's from Florida. So and now so it's called now it's like forever Florida, Florida color in my <laughs> Floridian <laughs> in my, my, my brain. I am knitting the Atelier sweater, which I have knit before. Um, the first time I knit it was in Art Fibers Tantra. And I knit a shorty version of it, and I imagine this version will be also short in some version. I'm using the Elizabeth Lavold Silky Wool that I was trying to knit the Corinne sweater out of last summer, and then that sweater went into permanent uh, that was a timeout. Crazy season of knitting for you, where I, like nothing, every pattern nothing had worked. like a issue. huge issue, and yeah. that was definitely a tech editing issue that I don't think ever got resolved, um, which is a shame, but um, I have moved on, and I um, 
I was looking for a sweater to go with this crazy uh, tank top that I had sewn recently, and I was like, I can't believe I don't have a single sweater that would match the zillion colors that are in this tank top. <laughs> and so um, I discovered that this purple would have been would be a great match. So I thought about what kind of sweater I would want, um, and I really love being able to throw the atelier on it gets a short sleeve and cropped and it just it can cover your shoulders when you wear a tank top which is what I'm looking for uh, with the amount of yarn that I have I'm hoping to do a three quarter length sleeve mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit longer but actually the length of my original one I like atelier is a Heidi Kiermeyer pattern and it is an open front cardigan that's knit raglan style except for you don't knit really any stitches for the front until you get to the point where you break off for the sleeves and then you knit the sleeves and then you pick up along the front and knit down um, the body. So it creates this drape opening. And in her original version, she has pockets. Mm-hmm. And um, have a, for this kind of, po- for a knit cardigan, I t- I'm just finding that pockets aren't necessary. I'm going to sew a cardigan, sure, but I usually have pockets in my pants or skirt or whatever. Yeah, I feel like sweater pockets are, like, more to warm your hands than to really be useful for putting anything in. Oh, I know what they're useful for me, as I've discovered the hard way. Tissues? Storing Kleenex. (laughs) Storing Kleenex for next winter. It's like I'm a squirrel, squirreling away Kleenex. I, like, invariably, every cardigan, if I wash a cardigan, God forbid, everybody's going to get Kleenex on their clothes. Or if I... if. I uh, put on a cardigan after not wearing it. Like, I'm sure when I put my campus jacket on in October, there's going to be a big water Kleenex in one of those pockets. <laughs> I found that I have a dearth of cardigans in my wardrobe. And I'm not sure if it's because I've, like, packed away all my winter sweaters, but, like, every day I go to get a cardigan and I have, I lost my black cotton cardigan, what do you which think was you like a ready-to-wear. I have no idea what happened to Bart? it. Bart? No? Work? I don't know, but I loved that cardigan and now it's gone. That's too bad. I know. That's the one, it's like got cables and texture on it? No, no? it's just a seed stitch, kind of oversized drop shoulder Okay, cardigan. the seed stitch is what I'm remembering, but for yeah. some reason I thought there was like cables somewhere on it. No. So I'm super bummed about that. But So I have like a blue cardigan that's the same cardigan because mm-hmm. I really loved that cardigan. And I have like a weird marled rayon cardigan that mm-hmm. doesn't really go with anything that I own. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. Well, and you also went through a big pullover stage. I mean, we you can go, go back and quote you many times stage. on this podcast saying, oh, cardigans I want pullovers so I think it depends on the season and it is the warm season where we live and you are now traveling between two kind of different climates um Oakland is much warmer and a consistent basis than San Francisco and so you have to have a cardigan to go to work so it's not a surprise that you lost it because you're probably taking it on and off from place to place yeah and I uh yeah, I, I work in, like, an ice box. Like, it's this windowless room that shares ventilation with the medication room on mm-hmm. our floor, and so they keep it super cold. Mm-hmm. And, like, it is so cold. Like, it doesn't matter what the weather is outside. Like, you are freezing in there. Like, I, I have chronic cold nose. 
Um, so lots of tissues in those pockets. Exactly. <laughs> so I have fingering weight sweaters on the brain. Yeah. And I actually cast on um, another Heidi Kiermeyer pattern out of my Lindy chain because I also have a Lindy chain obsession going mm-hmm. on, which is the um, fine sand cardigan. Okay. Which is another open front, like drapey linen mm-hmm. sweater. I think she made hers out of Sparrow, but to me, but, in my mind, same thing. Right, and you have a, a back, fingering weight of a backlog of a Lindy chain. I know. I just can't get over how cheap it is. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm like, I can knit this whole sweater that looks pretty nice for $30. Like, it's really hard to, to resist for so me. So what color is that? It's like this ochre color. Okay. Um, and I just finished my Brandolin top in Lindy yes. Chain, which I'm loving. Great. And so I have another sweater quantity of Lindy Chain in like a dusky purple color. Mm-hmm. So I have to figure out... Another I'm cardigan. That. Perhaps. I also bought some two sweater quantities of Elsa wool <laughs> in like a a silvery gray color and a dark brown color. So. And are you gonna finally make? I'm fi- gonna finally make um, Elizabeth Doherty's cardigan. Why can't I? Why am I, I blanking know. on it's the a, name? It's a Woodford's. 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 Mm-hmm. And then my second fingering weight cardigan is going to be a Hohi Locatelli cardigan that has a cable. It's also open front, but has a cable panel that goes up and around the neck and then down the center back. And then the rest of it is like double moss stitch, which is my favorite stitch pattern. <laughs> Maggie's so. going to be so happy. She's a Hohi. Our friend Maggie is a Hohi devotee. She really is. Yeah, she has a lot of Hohi sweaters. Um, well, um, I have been stocking some stuff, but it's really been just trying to get back into it. Like literally, I think in the spring, I think my, my knitting mojo left me when I decided to knit a blanket, sorry, blanket lovers. Um, and I still am intending on finishing this blanket. I've gotten much further than my Babette with the polygons. But I think um, making those starfish or the polygons, um, while it was great mindless knitting, a little bit sucked the joy out of knitting because I was like, oh my gosh, another red one. Oh Only my gosh. 60 more to go. Right. <laughs> and my, my carpool mate kept asking me, like, how many do you have now? How many do you have now? And I'm like, one more than I had yesterday. Like, this doesn't go that fast, girl. Um, Plus, like, the other thing about, like, the modular blanket is, like, the finishing. And, I mean, the finishing is not going to be that bad. Like, it's going to be, like, a couple of days of, like, seaming. But Mm -hmm. just the prospect of that is kind of joyless. Well, and there are multiple steps in that, too. One thing I think I figured out as I was knitting all these um, out of various different yarns. So there's some dragonfly fibers. There's some Mad Tosh. And some of uh, old rusted chair um, mm-hmm. in there, and one thing we have learned is that Mad Tosh yarns aren't set very well, and none of us have learned that the easy or people have not learned that the easy way. So one well, thing I, I have, have because Lauren set mine. Well, so that's what I realized. I really now, benefited I have, from that. I have to go back and set 
um, all of my, at least the Mad Tosh. I don't have to set Lauren's. I feel confident in Lauren's yarn. Yeah. I feel confident actually in Dragonfly fibers, but my, all, anything in Mad Tosh, I don't want them to bleed when I wash them. Because, I, the, I, you know, I really learned it the hard way with my, um, my Girl Friday sweater, which is still bleeding seven years hence. I mean, how many times have you washed it? A once, lot, at least right? once, at least once a year. We'll just say that at least seven times. And you know, when it bled onto my holy festival um, <sighs> cowl, uh, you know, a star shower cowl, it was, it was so discouraging. I will say there is a happy ending to that story, which is I soaked the star shower in some OxyClean, which is you know your mileage meter. I do not endorse this. I don't know if everybody else's woolens would fall apart, but a small amount of OxyClean. Soaked it in there, washed it. It did wash out that gray tone. It is, it is white. It's just white, but um, it, the pink bled. So there's like a little bit of a pink cast to it. But I'd much rather have a neon pink cast to it than that dingy blue. Like it was like a yeah. sad gray. <laughs> it just wasn't right. So it is recovered. But that said, I'm going to take each pile of Mad Tosh polygons and set them separately. So that's a process in and of itself. The good news is that I can pin them all out and block them. That'll be my method of just like going through each stack, setting the color, pinning them out to block. Um, And I really also have to figure out, I'm almost to 72 squares, which is the size, the second to largest size, which was the size I was going for. but then, of course, I start to get greedy and think, do I want it even bigger? <laughs> but it's almost doubling the number of polygons. And so I think I should just, like, quit while I'm ahead, right? Mm. When you're talking about blankets now, I was thinking about making a blanket because I have all these, like, sock yarn leftovers. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking if I make, like, a ton of granny squares out of all my sock yarn leftovers, then I could kind of crochet them together as I finish the squares, Mm -hmm. and then I wouldn't have to worry, have the seeming dread Mm -hmm. at the end of the project. Don't you have a bunch of granny, Nora granny squares (laughs) sitting somewhere that that was the original intention? Oh my god, they are now layered in this deep, thick layer of cat hair, because my cats have been like lying on them in a box, like, they are gross. I don't think that you can... Get so the cat here out of It's going to be a cat blanket. Yeah, I should just see them together and give them to my cat. My cats. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I think the only successful blankets I have made have been out of Art Fiber's Udon. <laughs> because that yarn is so gigantic. That you can make an entire giant throw out of like eight or nine hundred yards yeah. of yarn. Um, so I mean, hope not all hope is lost on that polygon. It, it's still I. Um, while we were on our road trip, which I will talk about in a moment, I took all the yarn with me ultimately and re hand rewound a bunch of the balls because part of it was all the yarn had gotten tangled and it was a total disaster area. And um, kind of sorted that out, figured out how many of each I had. And um, I really, I think I have about eight more full polygons to knit. And then I have to knit a bunch of 
partial polygons to finish the edges. Right. And then, of course, once it's all assembled, there's a border that you knit on, which I could probably just not do if I didn't want to. Or you could crochet it. Crochet's not that much faster for me. Uh, just but the prospect of picking up all those stitches, that though, is, true. is kind of... That is true. That is true. Or Another I... Another source of dread. You know what? I'm just going to go with... Let, let me get all the, <laughs> the polygons assembled. And we'll see how it goes from there. Totes. Um, but so our road trip, which will lead me to talk about some of the things I've acquired, as well as something that I've finished. Um, so... W- um, I got my family to get on the road and go to Black Sheep Gathering in Eugene, Oregon, and it was awesome. We, um, Eugene is about eight hours from Oakland, and we went up halfway one day and got there the second day. We stayed in a nice, sweet little Airbnb and um, went to, I mean, well, we went to the whole thing. So. Um, Black Sheep Gathering is like a real wool festival, um, unlike Stitches, which is a yarn convention, I guess. Yeah. This is, um, there are woolen-bearing animals, so there were sheep and alpaca and goats. My sister-in-law and her boyfriend came down, and she is trying to convince him to start a goat farm. She's like, look how cute they are. (laughs) Then, of course, John pointed out, and then we can eat them. Oh. Oh, no, no. But um, I um, texted Jenny from the barn that um, it really reminded me of the Connie Willis story, Bell, or Bellwether, Bell because there would just be one sheep would start to bat, and all of a sudden the whole barn, somebody would hear, they're like, oh, someone's, someone's making noise, someone's making noise, something must be happening, bat, 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 bat. Like it was just this crescendo of baas from around <laughs> us. <laughs> wow, you are a really impressionable animal, aren't you? Yeah, that book just made me realize, like, the, the intelligence of sheep is... Sheep, not so funny. smart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're really cute, though. Oh, my goodness. Um, and as Adrian would say, we, uh, well, so a couple interesting things. One, according to Adrian, uh, alpacas smell way worse than sheep do. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Also, they're way more expensive. I was curious to find out. I mean, you can buy a sheep for like $300, and alpaca, some of them were like $4,000. Whoa. Yeah, that's an expensive... Uh, How long do alpacas live? I don't know. I wonder if they have a... They probably have a slower, lower breeding rate than, right. than sheep, and that's why sheep can be less expensive and to And it seems purchase. like since they're bigger, they probably eat more. Yeah. I don't know. It seems, yeah. Um, so there were, there was actually a whole barn, um, not mostly a whole barn or half a barn that was devoted to Shetland. And so there's a whole Shetland industry in the Pacific Northwest. It was interesting to find out. Um, all kinds of different sheep breeds that, that I learned about and can probably tell you nothing about now. So uh, we wandered around the barn, and um, I met up with uh, Sonia Rutz, who is the owner of Stash Local and the host of the Stash podcast. And it was a really lovely experience to meet someone who you've known online for so many years. And I think especially in the last year, there have been people who 
like throughout the election, post-election time, who I shared moments with online, and to meet Sonia was one of them, and to meet her in person, and to meet a new member of our knitting group, Shadi, who we just had had some bonding moments to meet in person was just, it felt good to make that human, real-life connection. Yeah. Um, so Sonia and I and her daughter um, and my family walked around the barn, and then we she um, had a booth at Black Sheep Gathering, so she let her daughter sit there, and my family took off, and she and I wandered around the marketplace. And How old's her daughter? Her daughter is Adrian's age. She's just, yeah. like, maybe maybe a month or two older. They're about the same age. Oh, they would have made a connection if they had made the effort. They're very much alike. She kept doing things. I'm like, oh, my God, that's exactly the kind of thing my kid does all the time. <laughs> Saying some funny thing, like being a goofball, making videos on her mom's phone, and, like, all these things. Yeah. It takes a little bit of time to warm up, though. It does. Well, that's hard in a For setting anybody. like that. Yeah. Um, so we... Um, we wandered around the marketplace, and I would say there were definitely some themes that I saw. Gradient kits were huge. Gradient balls were also, like, balls of gradient yarn, but really lots of gradient kits, um, mini skeins. It's just they were in many of the the booths that I went to. Yeah, and mini skeins are hot. They are. Just and like I, speckles. I've had to stay away from mini skeins mainly because I have all that bad bat yarn, and I think I have so many mini skeins. I could make my own mini skein sets. I can't, I can't invest in this. But I did buy some things that were quite beautiful and exciting. Oh my god. Um, and I, soft. Yes, so one thing I bought was a ball of gradient DK from Huckleberry Knits in the colorway This Is Home, and it's... That's what you're making your cowl out of, It's what I made my cowl out of. (gasps) Yay! So um, before I went on this journey, I was texting um, Jenny and Ellen and Sawadi and saying, what should I take, what should I take? And Ellen's like, it is possible that you will acquire yarn on this trip. Am I I not mistaken? (laughs) And so even though I brought a bunch of stuff, I ended up, what I ended up knitting was, the day after I bought it, I started knitting the Western... Auto Cowl by Karina Spencer. So this is sort of my summer of do-overs. I knit that. I don't feel like I knit things multiple times, but I now will have, I now knit Western Auto twice, and now I'm knitting Atelier again. So that's another twofer. Um, it's gorgeous. Um, I love that pattern, and I think it is a really great pattern for gradients. It's intended for three yarns in a worsted weight, and um, it's plenty big in the DK. And the gradient gives a really neat effect. Um, so beautiful. Uh, I'll have to show you the finished object. It's awesome. So it starts like in a scummy yellow-green and goes into a more jewel-tuned green, into a, like a deep teal, deep teal into blue, and then ends in purple. So all my colors are in there except for orange. There's no orange, but it's gorge. It's really great. It's such a great uh, gradient. Um, and um, Scarlett, who is the owner of Huckleberry Knits, has a lot of really neat gradients and some great solids. I actually, there was a great teal. That, the teal um, in that gradient is so beautiful. And she had, but she she had that in a worsted weight. And I was thinking about making. I still am thinking about making a second Long Sands cardigan. Ooh. And uh, but 
she didn't have enough. And so I decided to hold off on a sweater quantity of anything. Um, I feel like you and I should both own deep teal right? cardigans. Why well, don't we? I do, theoretically. Okay. My tilted duster. Oh, right. But I never wear that. I don't even know uh, if I still own that, but what a great... What a what, great color. What a great color and a fun what a great sweater. Knit. Just not very wearable for me, ultimately. Is it because it was too long? No, I mean... Was it's it a, too heavy? It's a top... It, I mean, it's a jacket. It's an open front jacket, right? So, like, it closes up around the neck, but then it's open here across the body. Right. So when you need that much warmth... You need your front covered. Right. So it just didn't... wasn't practical enough. Yeah, it just didn't have a, a practical application in my life. Mm. Um, it's so pretty. It is pretty. It's very um, style though. It's very... Maybe that should be our goals for this year. A deep teal and a burnt orange cardigan <laughs> for our wardrobes. <laughs> um... Another thing I bought, speaking of not burnt orange, but it makes me think of this colorway, um, Sincere Sheep colorway that I really was drawn to, which was more of a burnt burgundy, like a like rusty. Yeah. yeah. And it was so gorgeous, and I would love to make a sweater out of it. It was in that same Cormo base that my long sand cardigan is in, but uh, it's this uh, another great color that I think I would wear a lot. Um, but I did buy, I've been holding off on buying any yarn from Sincere Sheep because I have some in my stash that I haven't knit and I finally just had to let go of it. And I bought a skein of her sport weight Cormo and I think I'm going to make some sort of long cowl that wraps around just with a lot of texture. I haven't decided what to do with that yet. And, um... And then that on the first day, the other thing I bought was one of those knit mugs from uh, Creative with Clay, which I've been pining for since two stitches ago, and I was regretted not buying one. <laughs> I love it; it's gorgeous. It's going to become my, my work mug, I think. But for now, I just drink my giant cups of coffee out of it. It's sort of it's not quite this minty green that Jenny's knitting in, but it's it's like an, a light green. That's not quite so blue. Yeah, but it's also not. Yeah, sometimes a light green can go bad. It's not. It's not crayony. It's not. You know, there's like a neat, nice depth to it. So um, those are. Oh no, that's not true. Then I bought one more thing. So then, so that was my day with Sonia, and then I kind of regretted not having bought a T-shirt. So I went by to back on the second day but later in the day and they were out of the t-shirt I wanted so instead I bought yarn <laughs> and I went to local color fiber local color fiber studio um which is based in on Bainbridge Island outside of Seattle and um they grow their own wool like she works with local farmers to get wool um, in her area and then dyes with plants that she grows on her farm and I bought three skeins because it was a a deal you could buy get three skeins of uh, fingering weight yarn for x amount of dollars I can't remember what it was and at 250 yards per skein and it was all the same base of sort of a I think it's a gray 
Coriadale? No, Rambouillet. A gray Rambouillet. And one is overdyed with Coriopsis, and that's a burnt orange. One is overdyed with Marigold, and that is green. And one is overdyed with Onion Skins, and that is a yellow. I believe that's how it broke down. Right. And they're gorgeous. And of course, I'm like, oh, I'll make a three colored shawl, but now I want to make a sweater. Yeah. So I need more yarn. So. Um, they are really pretty. And what about the cashmere? Oh, that's not at the Black Sheep Gathering. Oh, okay. Then okay. for Black Sheep Gathering, um, the second part of our trip we spent in Ashland, Oregon, which is a lovely town. We did not just see any theater, but I would like to go back and see some theater. Um, when we were there, there is a sweet fabric store and a very sweet knitting store called Webster's. And Webster's has been there forever. Since I started knitting, I remember hearing about Webster's in Ashland. And as soon as I walked in, I saw these little kits. Oh, I did buy mini skeins. I just realized. (laughs) 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 These kits by a company called Lux Adorna. And they used to be called something else, but I won't get... I'll get confused. I don't want to confuse anybody. So it's called Lux Adorna. And um, they put out kits of 100% cashmere in sport weight and I believe worsted weight. And then they give you some suggestions of what you can knit with it. So I bought, I think it's seven skeins that make up 360 yards of sport weight cashmere. And I think I'm going to knit just like a basic chevron cowl. I totally forgot I've got that yarn. That's so funny. <laughs> I brought it to knit night the other night, so everybody could oon on it. And the way it's packaged is so cool. Like, mm-hmm. it's braided in a way to make it like a rectangle. Yeah, it's like a... It's like a color-blocked rectangle of yarn. It looks like one of those keychain lanyards, but like yeah. writ large. kind of want, like, to build a little house with those bricks. It'd be awesome. Um... And there are three neutrals. There's like three gray, like gray to black. So it's like light gray, medium gray, and black, and then pop colors. So I think there's a bright yellow, turquoise, pink, and one other color. I can't remember what it is, but uh, very cool. It's urbanite is the color scheme is what it's called. Yeah, that was a... I really walked in there thinking, well, is this just a conventional yarn store? Well, I'm not going to need to buy anything. And I was like, must have this now. <laughs> Tax-free Oregon. <laughs> so, um, this is really the ultimate vacation purchase. You know? Yeah, it was. Yeah, good souvenir. It's right. beautiful. It's luxurious. Your own vacation. I'm excited. You gotta about do it. it. I mean, I bought... So wait, I just counted, right? I bought one, two, three, four four things of yarn while we were out while we were on vacation and I've already knit one of them up so I feel like I'm much better than like a typical stitches you're totally ahead I'm totally ahead right (laughs) all right so you didn't know it but we had a brief intermission we were recording on Jenny's phone and now we're recording on the computer so if you hear a discernible difference that is why hopefully it sounds better now (laughs) We were actually surprised that it sounded halfway decent. I know. Yeah, we were kind of talking quietly because we were in a waiting area. (laughs) So we didn't feel like we could, uh, that everybody would be as interested in our topic as we were. 
Um, I did, though, also gain access to the notes I had taken for this podcast, and there were a couple of things I wanted to touch on back to Black Sheep Gathering. I think I had mentioned how there was um, a lot of gradient sets and um, mini skeins and gradient yarns, but the other thing I saw a lot of was a sparkly yarn. And I know that there's an audience for that, but it's always striking to me when I see it. So was it like the spun in little bits of sparkle mm-hmm. or yes. was it like a applied thread of Lurex? No, I think it was that more like spun in sparkle. Like the, you see a lot in sparkle sock yarn. Yeah, because I got a skein of yarn where the Matilda took scissors to it and oh, it was tragic. Right. But it had a, a applied thread of sparkly lurex Mm. in it. And the effect is different than the spun in, like Staline or... This is like more like Staline. Yeah. I think this is a base yarn that a lot of people are using. Um, So I saw that. And of course, the other thing was there was tons of fiber because a big component of black sheep gathering is spinning. In fact, the people that we know who went, other people we know who went, went and took spinning workshops. Um, So there's tons of non-yarn fiber uh, everywhere. And then there were a few uh, places I just wanted to, I think I I said I shopped at Huckleberry Knits, Sincere Sheep, local uh, color fiber studio, and Creative with Clay, who is, um, I'm not going to try to botch the name of the man who makes these beautiful clay knit themed mugs who said while we were in his booth oh i only do i only do ceramics to fund my yarn habit i was like you are amazing (laughs) Um, and also when i was in uh brooke sincere sheep's um booth i bought uh, a wool soap so it's a a hard a bar soap that you use to wash your woolens and it smells really good. It's gin. It's orange and ginger. And actually, right now, it's in my underwear drawer. And we had it in a suitcase coming home. And everything that came out of it smelled like orange and ginger. It smelled really good. That sounds amazing. And that was, uh, if I didn't say, tuft woolens. Um, but there were a few, uh, a few booths that I remembered where I really enjoyed what I saw, but didn't buy anything. One was Fly Designs, and she. Um, she sells both yarn and uh, sock machine, sock knitting machines. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so she had one set up, and people were very intrigued by the idea. They are quite expensive. Yeah. Um, I think it would be something that if, like, 10 people wanted to go in on it, and somehow, like, you have just a rotating schedule, like, you right. have it for one month a year, you pay whatever, $100, and one month a year you have it and just churn out a bunch of tubes. sock tubes and then knit the <laughs> heels, right? Um, but it was really cool. But she just had some interesting bases, like different percentages of cashmere, and then some really exciting colors. She had this neon pink that was amazing, and she had some self-stripings that were really cool. Sonia uh, bought one, and um, she had this orange that I really loved, but not enough. I would have wanted a sweater quantity, and she didn't have a sweater quantity. So then I was like, well, what if I did a striped sweater? And I was like, don't force it. You can't force yourself <laughs> just to get a, 
a sweater's worth. So I would definitely uh, look, see if she was at Stitches or buy from her online now that I've seen it in person. Homestead Hobbyist, I believe he is out of the Pacific Northwest, and he has his own blend of yarn that he has spun at a mill that has a high micron merino mm. and a cashmere and a third, maybe silk. And the way it takes color is really beautiful. It's very um, deep jewel tone, so not to over-genderize, but it's a more masculine take on a jewel tone. And he had some great yarns. Uh, Fierce Fibers had a lot of really cool gradients, uh, but I just I had already bought a gradient, and I was like, oh, let's see if I knit this one up before I go gradient crazy. Um, and it's already knit up. It's already knit up, so I could go gradient crazy. I should go <laughs> check out her website right now. <laughs> uh, Mosaic Moon, who had been at Stitches uh, last time we were there, they're from Ashland, and they had these neat gradient scents. Actually, Jenny... Now, it would be, like, two years ago at Stitches, it wasn't, like, your thing, but this year I could have seen you go crazy. So they'd set up gradient sets in full skeins of worsted weight yarn uh, so you can knit, like, bigger projects wow. with in a gradient. Um, hmm. I mean, you were really on the cutting edge of that because Find Your Fade, the shawl came out, but you made a Find Your Fade sweater of your own, you know, you used another pattern and right. came up with the, you know, used it in that way. And now there is a Find Your Fade sweater pattern, so you called it. Um, it was only a matter of time. <laughs> and then the other, uh, the other place I spent some time in was Three Fates Yarn, and I believe she's from the Corvallis area and had a lot of really neat mini skeins and um, a great color sense. Uh, so those are some that I would, ha- I, I admired and would shop at at some point if you had unlimited funds and i was really trying to be conservative because i hadn't been knitting a lot right right it was really about like i can't this can't be a stitches kind of thing so you know ending up with three yarns i think that you did really well yeah i think you did really well and it got you back into knitting yeah so Mission accomplished. Yeah, I think it really was a combination of getting new yarn and also like getting a new project. A new project. I think I felt really stuck with Polygon and I couldn't think of what else to knit. And Western Auto was something I had. I had knit before, so I just went with it. I did. There is one design flaw in uh, not design flaw, user error in my Western Auto, which I now have to show Jenny is after you join in the round, you're supposed to knit the back part in pattern. And I just kept knitting it in garter stitch. So there's a garter stitch stripe of 12 stitches And it's on your back neck. Yeah, and actually I think it's a neat way to show off the gradient that's different than in the design. So The other thing I really like about this pattern is that it is not a lace pattern. Yes, it's a zigzag. Is it slip it's stitches like, or it increases and it, it decreases slips. stitches? It's yeah. very cool. I, uh, yeah, and so it has a nice density. I'm hoping, though, when I block it, I actually had started knitting it on sevens and um, ripped it out and started on, restarted on eights. Wow, um, when's the last time you knit on size eight? Yeah, it was like knitting. <laughs> like ten and a half? <laughs> no kidding. Um, so then, yeah, I finished that. Like I said at the top of the podcast, I started knitting Atelier, and, and I do want to mention that i pulling a Jenny with the Atelier because I, um, when I was knitting this yarn for Corinne, I was knitting it on size six needles. And I had the swatch, and I measured, I still had the swatch, so I could look at the swatch, and I knew it was size six needles because I had 
smartly like put in six knots uh, in the on the tail on the tail. So I knew, and I was like, well, that's that gauge is a little too big for this uh, for the gauge of the pattern. So I'm gonna just go down a needle size and knit the, I'm gonna pick this size to knit. It'll be fine. It's top because down, man. I was like, I have not knitted another swatch in this yarn and figuring it out and waiting for it to wash and blah blah blah. I'm just gonna do it. And it'll it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So, um Does Atelier have a slip off your shoulder problem or does it stay on pretty well? Not at all. It stays on really well. I wonder what the difference is, because usually you have a hard time with raglans. I think so. I was looking at my I was looking at my lineal cardigan Uh and seeing what the problem was there. And I think the problem is there's not a lot of front. And the front is knit as a collar that rolls back on itself, Mm -hmm. where the atelier fronts are knit as these drapey fronts that pull the the sleeve to, to the front. Right. Where the lineal kind of almost leans to the back. Right. Right, 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 right. I hate, I see that. And so I'm thinking that's part of it. I think also I'm, uh, my original atelier is all silk, so that's going to be heavier than a linen sweater. Mm-hmm. Um, a fingering, actually a lace weight linen sweater is what that is. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there's no heft to that sweater whatsoever. It's right. really just coverage. And I think this will have more heft. Um, this is silk wool and nylon blend. So there's nylon and silky wool. I think so. I'm fairly confident well, in my um, am I saying that? Um, You've knit a lot with silky wool. No, I think I've only knit that one other. Oh no, I've knit. The Shrunken Maryland. The Shrunken Maryland. And actually, I knit this scarf years ago for my mom called Latifa. I and I believe. Is that a knitty pattern? It's a knitty pattern. And it is color blocked. And in between the color blocks are these ruffles that you knit. I knit in Koigu. I remember that. Um, so, but I think you were confusing the other night at Knit Night, the, um, oops, not patterns. You were confusing something <laughs> that I made in uh, Summer Tweed, Rowan Summer Tweed. Oh, right, yeah, right, 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 Which everybody remembered at the table, embarrassingly, <laughs> was this crocheted. crocheted granny squares and silky in Summer Tweed. And then that I was, was going to be super cute, man. Yeah. I, I think I, it was still a good idea. <laughs> and as I said, <laughs> the, all of those granny squares are coasters and trivets in my house now. Um. How is Silky Wool by Elsabeth Lavold not the first thing that comes up when you when you search Silky Wool? Um, there it is. It's wool, silk, and nylon. Yeah. Okay. 45 wool, 35 silk, and 20% nylon. So I'm hoping that will help it stay to the front. Yeah. Um, but it has gotten me thinking about sweaters more. Um, sweaters. Sweaters. I um, had sent uh, Jenny a pa- uh, link to a pattern called Millington that is interesting because it's constructed like a um, sewn cardigan that I made. It's a the sewn cardigan is a jolly pattern where you make these sort of extensions to the front. Oh, maybe it's not called Millington. Oh, oh wait, clear the that. DK. Yeah. Um, 
There it is. So you knit, make these extensions, and then it folds back on itself to make the make the pockets. This is uh, a Barocco pattern um, designed by Emily Ringelman, and it is in. Is that double? What is that? It looks like a a two stitch double moss. So that will be a, a little torturous. No. <laughs> Jenny, awesome. Jenny loves double moss. So it's mostly double moss, and it has cable on the pocket, and then a cable. I don't know if that's double moss. I cable detail to... on the back. Yeah. yeah. It's double moss. Yeah. It's two by two. It's cute. Yeah. Actually, I like the effect of it. Yeah. And it is knit in ultra wool, um, but I have some yarn that I'd like to repurpose that I think I could repurpose into this. It is, um, it's a DK weight, or actually it's a sport weight, but I think I would have enough, I could knit a bigger size, uh, always, I'm always doing this, right? <laughs> I can knit a bigger size and get a, um, what I want out of this. Um, it was originally knit in to a Amy Herzog pattern. Let me see if I can find it. It's from a few years ago. Oh my god, does bacon always just show up at the bottom? (laughs) (laughs) There's a feature on Ravelry, and I can't remember how I turned it on, called Extra Bacon. And it puts a giant piece of bacon on every page that you're on. (laughs) The bottom of the page. See if I can find the directions of how to do it or undo it. <laughs> but I added it a couple months ago just because I was like, what is this gonna do? And then all of a sudden there's a big piece of bacon. <laughs> uh yes, it's the Aislin cardigan. Y'all might remember me talking about it. And I made it in wool candy biscotti it's merino. A pretty color. It's a nice color. It's just like my brass tack sweater color. It is a lot like your brass tacks, yes. But I there were a few things that just weren't going to work for me in the sweater. One, it's an open, the, the only closure is at the waist, and it's got a tie and a snap. It's got a crew neck, and it's open, and it's lace. So when it flops open, you see the wrong side of the lace, and it just doesn't look right. Um, and I never wore it. So I've a couple of fantasies I've had. One is to turn this into, to knit it into Rolling Rock by Thea Coleman, mm. which is the same gauge. That would be the smart thing to do. Also, it's kind of a beer-colored yarn, so yeah. that would work. And Rolling Rock is a Henley-style pullover that's knit contiguous. It has a lace pattern on it, too. Um, so that's an idea still, but I also really like that Millington sweater. And then the other yarn, uh, the other pattern that I sent, and this was for the fingering weight Rambouillet that I got from Local Color Fiber Studio is, I think it's just called Cocktail. Oops. Um, let's see if I can find it. And it is knit by the Maison Like <laughs> It's some French. <laughs> Ellen's obsessed with them. And it's, it's really cute. She has a couple of different, here it is, it's Cocktail Jumper. And it is, it's got these lace paneled sleeves and it's actually already, the pattern is designed originally as color blocked 
And I have these three fingering weight yarns in different colors, but I would definitely need more in order to... I guess I could do a short sleeve. I'd have enough for a short sleeve, but a short sleeve wool sweater seems kind of... A little know. silly unless it's fingering weight. Yes. This is the shawl I kind of want to make. It's the Mixology shawl mm. by Marionated Yarns. Uh-huh. Um, I happen to have a bunch of sock yarn in basically sherbet colored. Mm-hmm. Somehow it's, I gravitate towards that. It's it is my thing. thing. I made another sherbet shawl that I gave to my nieces because mm-hmm. it was like pink, tangerine, and lime. They're going to... Oh, wait, your younger niece, set of yeah, nieces? Okay, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, your teen nieces. I'm surprised. Yeah, and um, I don't know what I'm going to do with those. I'm going to make that. So what is it? Is it, ju- is it just color blocking, or how does it, it work? It looks like it's a striped slip stitch. Oh. It's a garter slip stitch with alternating oh, I colors. I didn't notice that it's a two-row stripe pattern. Yeah. Because in the, kind of in the distance, the colors blend so well that it just looks like... A depth of color yeah. that I'm looking at. Oh. Yeah, so I think that will be pretty cool. Although knitting a large rectangular stole, mm-hmm. I mean, I have the the sad carcass of my uh, lily pilly upstairs. Oh. <laughs> um, lily pilly. I just well, you can use Liz from our knitting group as your inspiration because she. Um, has been knitting that giant, is that a blanket? Seed stitch blanket shawl. Yeah, for the entire time we've had. Knit like, night. Yeah, a year like and a half. Last year, yeah. She's in a totally new color, though. I noticed she's in this, like, super neon. It's like socks yellow. or that blanket? Yep. <laughs> so um, that's where we are with our knitting. Is there anything else you're dreaming about? Uh... Just the Ernest Cardigan, Woodford's, shawls, something to do with my sherbet-colored sock yarn. I was also think I was like looking at all my sock yarn, and I have so much sock yarn now because I'm like, I'm back on knitting socks! <laughs> um, and I'm like trying to look at my sock yarn and seeing how I can combine them into larger projects, mm-hmm. and I'm finding that it it's hard for me to really visualize... I think I'm not picking colors that really complement each other very much. So you can't like find like they're too much the or, same, yeah, or, or they're just way too different. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have to show you and see what you think. But well, it's I mean, like kind what of I weird. say is yeah. to that is Stephen West. Like, can't yeah. you just like you have that West Best Volume One? Yeah, pick something from there and just go with it. Yeah, um, just he, do something completely nutso. He did uh, posted recently a picture of a. Um, dotted rays that was in all these different speckled yarns and I was like that is horribly gorgeous like (laughs) you know our exploration station I think those lend themselves when I think about multi-color shawls though what I want what I seem like is easy to find is the garter stitch unusual shape yeah I'm more interested in a basic shape like a circular Mm-hmm. A semicircular shawl mm-hmm. or triangular shawl that uses lace and texture. So that's the demarcation. So, like, you switch yeah. colors. This Kirsten Kapoor shawl is for you. Um, is this the one, though? Did Ellen send this to us? It has lace, two colors, and a few garter stripes. Mm. It's pretty. Yeah. 
it does seem like kind of like the the shawls of yore. Yes, the more you know, like I really love trousseau. I love that pattern. That pattern was so fun to knit. I mean, and that's something that you could do with multiple colors, right? Like yeah. you could start in one color, and then when you switch to go the other direction, switch to a different color. Right. And then, and that's that shawl could go on forever. Like it's knit, and the you just keep adding pie in and a half pie. Just keep expanding that half pie by the by the stitch count number that you need to, and you're good to go. The one thing about the half pie shape is that I feel like it's a little hard to wear. Because um, hmm. I made myself a trousseau out of... I traded you the hard twist merino. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I made a trousseau out of it. And it's not, like, long enough. The long edge of the half circle isn't long enough to really wrap. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of fabric because it's, like, a giant half circle. Well, what if you used it as a lap blanket? Because I feel like yeah. the half circle is an ideal shape for the lap. Right. right? It's, it's not as wide on the side, so you mm-hmm. can have it next to you on the couch. And then it's longer over where your knees would be. Right. Yeah. Because that was the other thing when I was thinking about the local color fiber studios, I was like, oh, I'll make a sh- three-colored shawl. And I asked everybody for recommendations. And then I went back to the fact that I still <laughs> just don't wear shawls. And I don't think there's a whole lot of people left to gift shawls to. Right. Like the cowl, this, the, you know, that's why Western Auto is so, and Star Shower have been so appealing to me. It's because I think it's a garment that is... Pretty wearable. Pretty wearable. No fussing. Not a lot of fuss. Oh my God, the last person I gifted a shawl to just moved to Florida. Oh no! Where she'll never have a need for a shawl the doctor, again. Your doctor retired. <laughs> oh no, that's no good. I know. You tell her, why don't you move to Minnesota? I know. (laughs) Oh, well. All right, we ready to talk about some sewing? Yes. So since we last recorded, Jenny, like, threw herself into sewing in an epic way. Like, it... I didn't know what happened. What happened? What do you think happened? I mean, I basically, when Matilda was born, just put everything away, Mm -hmm. sent all my fabric to live with my sisters, and decided I was done with sewing forever because... You had small it just seemed like that was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Matilda's four, Hugo's two. I mean, he loves to mess with my machine, and he mm-hmm. loves pressing the buttons. And so sometimes I'll be, like, ironing something. I'll go back, and then I'll start sewing, and it will be doing some crazy stitch <laughs> pattern. And I'm like, no! Or he likes to use the sewing pedals as ramps for his cars yeah, and trucks. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I would want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but somehow that isn't stopping me. Mm-hmm. I just went completely. I don't know what happened. It was like a, a switch just flipped in my brain. And yeah, and I would also say, look, when you were sewing before, you're like, I'm making bags and things that are squares. Right. And you are making pants and... Every shirt pattern for a woven that you could find, you know, and knits, yeah. and you made a sweatshirt for Harold, and pants for everybody in your family. Like, it, you were, like, an unstoppable force. Well, sewing. I mean, I think the thing that I realized is that I am still sewing really basic, simple shapes. Um, and I realized that that's what I wear. Mm-hmm. All my ready-to-wear are these very basic, simple shapes. And mm-hmm. so I'm like... Now, like, oh, my God, I could just make everything 
and I would be able to have the colors that I want. Like sometimes you find something and you like the way it fits, but it's like kind of a weird color and mm-hmm. you buy it anyway because you're like, yeah, it fits. Yeah, exactly. But now I don't have to do that anymore. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a really sage piece of advice to anybody who's interested in sewing and feels intimidated. It, and I think we often start out on the wrong foot with sewing. So I think when I got back into sewing about five years ago, I picked some patterns, like the Rooibos pattern has 16 pieces in it. Or like I made this very ill-fitting. I'm sure I could do it now, but back then I decided to make a peplum top um, that there were lots of other issues with it. Like it wasn't exactly the style I would wear. Like it has a high neck, and but it had, I mean, I'm going to guess one, two, three, four, five, six... Set at least eight pieces to make what was essentially a tank top. Um, and so there was a lot of elaborate things happening, and there isn't a real... You, you don't need to... Clothes don't, aren't elaborate. No. Like, the things that Jenny and I are wearing right now, Jenny's wearing the Scout tee, which is a grain line pattern, and it is for... Is it faced, or do you have... Or did you use... I used bias, bias teeth. So it's four... Actually, it's three pattern pieces, because the sleeves are the same piece, so mm-hmm. you cut two sleeves, a front, and a back. And then you finish it with bias tape, which is just a thin piece of fabric that you can have pre-made. Did you make yours or is it, you know, you buy pre-made? Although, what is it? Because it's like a pretty... It's like a... I have a bias tape problem on Etsy. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a bad problem to have, actually. So, um, yeah, so it's just a small piece of fabric that's cut on the bias, so it has some give to line the inside of the neckline to help it sit down. And uh, give it, keep it shape. And it's 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 so easy to finish an edge with bias tape. Yes, it is. I mean, it's like so much easier than like sewing a hem. Like mm-hmm. it just finishes you itself. You go around and you're done. I know. It's like miraculous. I think that's the thing. Like I feel like there's like a little bit of investment, big payoff with sewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if something goes wrong, it doesn't. It's not quite the same. Like the Corinne sweater that had to be in timeout for a year and the investment I knew I had in that yarn where there are lots of sewing projects that I have abandoned. But when I think about the amount of time I put into it, like, you know, two to three hours and maybe $10 in fabric, I'm like, maybe I'll get back to that or maybe I'll give it away and somebody else will find right. a use for it, you know. or um, So that definitely is freeing. Yeah. And buying fabric is like a whole new shopping <laughs> extravaganza. Like a whole new opportunity. It is. Especially when you like think about knits and like materials. Like yep. you can really kind of tailor your wardrobe to wear exactly the fibers you want mm-hmm. all the time. The one hurdle that I'm facing, which I think you're facing too, is jeans. <laughs> So yeah, let's talk about. Oh wait, well, let's let's talk about jeans in a moment. I do also okay. want to say another simple. My I'm wearing a very simple garment too. That's a skirt, um, and I I made it a little fancier by having these fancy uh, these fancy deep pockets that have a different facing, so it looks stylistically looks complicated. But you could make the skirt I'm wearing, which basically is a I probably took a four inch piece of fabric that was. Did you self draft this pattern? Yep. So what? this is just a waistband that's the size of my waist, um, and it's a really wide waistband. It's probably two and a half inches, so I took a five-inch strip of fabric or mm-hmm. six-inch strip of fabric, 
that's the size of my, a little bit bigger than the size of my waist, so I could sew in the seams and the zipper. And then this is a dirndl style skirt, basically. It's just like a triangle. There's no shaping. Uh, not triangle. What's the word? Rectangle. Rectangle. <laughs> oh, hi, kitty. Oh, no, that's not mine. That's your water. My water, not your water. Um, yeah, and gathered it at the center and all along the back and put in these pockets. It was a very simple project. Super cute. And so something like this, while you feel like you might need more confidence, you literally could like see a tutorial online that's like, cut a rectangle, cut two more rectangles, sew them together, you have a skirt. Ta-da! I mean, you did that with the pearl Soho that... Yeah, the gathered skirt. Gathered skirt. It's a similar idea, yeah. but yours has an elastic waist. Right. Mine has a like a flat band waist. I'm really so, into the elastic waistband, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, Jenny's made two pairs of pants for herself. No, three. Three. Four. I made two. I made a, a, three pairs of Hudson's. Uh, I have like a, another like um, fleece mm-hmm. and fleece. I have one in bamboo French terry and then a woven version. Um, and again, this is like we're rattling this off. And they, if you look up the Hudson pattern, you might think it seems complicated. But I first made it as a pair of pants for Adrian, and I was and I was astonished at how quickly it comes together. And maybe a pair of sweatpants isn't your first project, but something like. But you could make the Anna pants that I made, which is a style arc pattern. Mm-hmm. That pattern is four pieces and some elastic. Mm-hmm. Like that's all it is, and like. I cut out another pair to make some patch pockets. And you could also use that pattern for pajama Pajamas. bottoms, yeah. like, you know, summer pants out of a cut, lighter fabric, linen pants, you could cut them shorter. Like, there are so many things you could do with just a basic elastic waistband pants pattern. Like, it's kind of exciting. So I think if you were, if someone wants to start, I think two possible starting points are a pajama pant, like the Anna Pant by Style Arc, which is um, possibly a little challenging because you have to download it and tile it. You might be better off to just get, you could go to a thrift store and find pajama pant patterns. I've found hundreds over the years. It's something that people buy and get rid of. So you could easily get a pair of pajama pant um, a pattern for a pair of pajamas. Uh, and it is. It's like four pieces, and you sew them together to make two legs. You sew the two legs together, you put in a piece of elastic, and you hem them. And you get a lot of confidence from that. And I'd say the other pattern that Jenny and I have both made that I think is a really great beginner pattern is the 100 Acts of Sewing shirt number one. Shirt number one. How many do you have, Jenny? I have like five. <laughs> I have a lot of shirt number ones. <laughs> I've made it three times. I've made it once for myself, and I I cut a straight small, and it was it's an oversized no sleeve shirt. So it's two pieces. Actually, it's one piece. It's one pattern piece. You shape the neckline, so you do have to do a little work to figure out how you want to cut the neckline. But she gives you instructions about how to choose a neckline for yourself, and the sleeves are built in because it's a dolman style sleeve mm-hmm. and once you've shaped the neck you sew the two pieces together you finish the neckline with some bias, bias tape, tape and you hem it it is easily a pattern you could cut out and sew and i'm going to say an afternoon just to, for, for yeah. while you're starting and it's actually a great pattern for prints 
it's a great pattern for prints and a variety of fabrics. So yeah. I've I've sewn it in a cotton batik, which was the least successful version. Um, but everybody loved it. I wore it to work. Everybody's like, that shirt's so cute. It's so cute. I made it in a rayon, and I made it um, in an ecot. And I think I will make, when I make it for myself again, I'm going to make the extra small, which is what I did for the ecot version, which was a gift. And I tried it on. It fits totally fine because there's a lot of ease. So you don't have to worry about fit issues. You don't have to worry about darts, but you get a real sense of accomplishment when yeah. you make it. Also, the other thing that I learned is that sewing with knits is really easy. It is not scary. And, and it, is, it may feel scary, but once you do it, you're, you're... And you don't need a serger because those knit edges don't unravel. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just, you know, use a stretch stitch for all of your seams and just sew it like you would sew anything. And I found, I used to be like worried about the curling factor mm-hmm. and that it, would be, it was going to be challenging because the fabric would curl. But I find that like it doesn't, especially if you've just cut it. And, um, and knits are so forgiving. Like if you don't cut it exactly right, it's still going to look fine Mm because it has like stretch. Like I made like a zillion hemlock tees because I'm like, oh my God, it's so easy. (laughs) Um, I say the one tricky thing about that is that is, um, sewing in the neckband the first mm-hmm. time I did it, I think that the fabric I was using didn't have very much lateral stretch. Mm-hmm. And so the piece that she has you cut for the neckband was too small. And so mm-hmm. I just couldn't really stretch it enough to fit, to fit it over. Yeah. Um, but now, I mean, and then there are all these like cheater techniques for doing the neckband where you don't even have to like... Sew it in a circle, (laughs) like you just you leave the shoulder open, Mm -hmm. and then like sew sew it in, and then like surge it down on the shoulder, Mm -hmm. and like done. And it's great um, knowing how to sew knits for if you have kids. Yeah, because all they want to wear. All they yeah. Adrian put on a pair of woven pants today. He was going into San Francisco. So I was like, yeah, let's wear long pants. I pulled them out, and he was trying to, like, put socks on. He's like, oh, these pants don't have very much stretch, do they? Because mostly what he wears are some version of the Hudson pant or shorts, you know? So he's like, this really restricts my motion to have to wear (laughs) this canvas fabric that you're making me put on. Um, So we will continue to talk about sewing. I have lots of different things that uh, we can talk about, but maybe I'll save them and just try to boost everybody's confidence. If you're interested in sewing, it is completely achievable. Um, I, the rabbit, the rabbit hole you fall down is not, I don't know. It doesn't feel quite as deep as knitting yet. And I think part of that (laughs) is I already had a lot of fabric. So like what I'm getting isn't I don't know. I'm, I'm not, for me, I'm not adding to, like, I'm adding to an existing stash. I'm not, like, creating a new Yeah. The thing I like myself. about sewing also is that when you sew for other people, because the, the time investment is not as long as when you knit for other people, mm-hmm. it feels more accomplishable and less like it's taking away from your own time also, with the craft. Also, if you don't get a reaction from it, um, then you're like, whatever, I spent 
two hours making that shirt yeah, number one. Like, exactly. <laughs> although Jenny and I were having an interest, a discussion that we've all had before about people's perception of what it means to be able to sew and knit. And your um, people who ask you to sew things for them or met, do their mending. Yeah. <laughs> it's and like, it, you like to do this? Do this for me. Do this task that I don't want to do. That I can't get myself to figure out. But you like to do it. And and not understanding how much knitting and sewing is about your own joy. Yeah. And not, like, something to be tasked with. Yeah. And I just think these people are not people who have a hobby that is, that that is ha- handcraft. Like, yeah. Or like, yeah. Like, it doesn't give them the same thing. And, and I'm trying to think, like, people who like to bake will bake cookies. But it's different, I think, than me saying... Hey, Ooh, you I like to bake? You like to bake? Bake me a hundred cookies for this party I'm having. You know, maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something like that. Um, I think that, yeah, it's it's funny. Um, which is not to say I don't like to make things for people. Like right. that shirt number one I gave to Adrian's teacher at the end of the year. And I think I talked about the book bags I made for Adrian's class and all the pussy hats I made um, at the beginning of the year. Like I love making things for people. Um, I think when it's your own idea, it's different. Right. And it comes from a different place than being asked. Yeah. I think the worst is like when my mom in the past has asked me to make stuff on her behalf. And I was like, dude, can't you just, can't I just teach you how to knit? Like, Oh, like as a gift for one of her friends yes. or something? Yeah. Oh, no, that's like, that's hard. Yeah. Like I, I can't. Or like a coworker of mine who is so nice and can knit. And she wants um, one of her her cousins has a really beautiful top that's one of the cocoa knit patterns. I don't know, Sabine, one of the, the tank tops that's really flowy and has like the, the handkerchief at hem. Mm-hmm. And she really, really still for like years desperately wants this. And I always say, I will get you started and give you all the advice you want, but I can't knit it for you. She's like, can't you just knit it for me if I buy the yarn? I'm like, no. <laughs> and she's like tall. She's a, she's a bigger person than me. So I'd be knitting like a much bigger size than I normally would knit. It would take a long time. Yeah. And like, I appreciate, she's, you know, I, I adore this person, but I'm like, I know you know how to put, t-. she's like, oh, I would never finish. I'm like, I would never finish. <laughs> So Making a giant tank top for somebody else out of linen. Like, I just, yeah. it's, it's a lack of, it really, yeah, it's just, like, not understanding that. Yeah. It's just also hard to know, like, what what's the nicest way to say no is. Right, like, because I don't want to be mean. I know. It's not like you don't like these people. It's just that you just don't want to do this. <laughs> right. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. I mean, this is like our uh, um, conversation we were having where I'm like, I just feel like a horrible person. And Jenny was like, there's no universe in which you are a horrible person. I'm like, yeah, but saying no, I think, I and mean, it's very gendered, too. I think saying no as a woman is a hard thing to do. Yeah. And it was, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> oh, well. But, uh yeah, it's just finding the right that right balance. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was great to get back um, on the mic and to get back with my needles. Yes, and hopefully it won't be so long of a break. Well, we have an upcoming um, 
Oh, yeah. Workshop. Jenny and I are going to take a workshop with Brooke Signs that's uh, put together by Kira Kay um, in Napa um, at the Sincere Sheep Studios about natural dyeing. Um, and we're very excited. Woohoo! We're going to get a lot of fingering weight yarn out of that, too. I know. And 1,700 yards. We'll record again. <laughs> so hopefully on that day we'll find a time yes. to record. Uh, okay. Thanks for hanging in there. I do want to thank everybody who has reached out over the months just to say things like, oh, we don't care about your schedule. We just want to hear from you. And so nice. being patient um, and, um, and still supporting us. And we will talk to you soon. Bye.
Merci. This is the uh, this is the only time of the whole tour we've done a second encore. You you are the best. You are the best. 